Gridbox Media Programming is brought to you by. Do you wish you knew the saints better? Overwhelmed with all the events in Catholic history and just wish you could tie it all together? It's tough work, and even scientists have determined that it takes approximately 400 repetitions to create a new synapse in the brain. Unless it is done with play, in which case it takes between 10 and 20 repetitions. Introducing Saint Cards, where the facts about saints and history are presented in fun and engaging games for ages 4 to 104. Check out Saint Cards at saintcards.com and begin the fun for your family, school, and parish today. Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com, featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith, not just a profile picture. For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com, and the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website is ready to help single Catholics take the next step in sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics. Remember, CatholicSingles.com, for faith, fellowship, and love. What are you doing this Lent? The St. Paul Center is streaming their newest video Bible study for free starting Ash Wednesday. Based on Scott Hahn's renowned covenantal theology, this is a study no one should miss. Invite your friends, Catholic or not. Don't miss your chance to see this premium study for free. Go to stpaulcenter.com to sign up today. Setting the record straight, Chuck Coughlin. Welcome back on breadboxmedia.com. For Lent of 2019, this is the fourth podcast devoted to Lenten reflections, to the thoughts and writings from mystics, including the Desert Fathers. Quite a few of these are in the form of little stories of conversations. Tomorrow's the fourth Sunday of this Lent, and I bring to you as a gift a few more little stories recorded by the Desert Fathers of events in their lives and of their thoughts. Some of them are not even stories. They're just little statements. In all cases, they have a moral, for lack of a better term, or perhaps just a, a little of implicit advice to us. The fact that they come from the early centuries reflect how early Christian thought had developed in such a way is to illustrate humility and love. This first group is about love. It's another way of saying that this first group is about agape. I want to point out that the word legismoi is common in the Eastern Orthodox tradition, meaning the images behind thoughts, sometimes inappropriate images that distract us from our prayers. Here's the first story about love, agape. Three of the fathers were in the habit of going to the blessed Abba Antony each year, and two of them were asking about logismoi and the soul's salvation. But one of them always remained silent, asking nothing. After some considerable time, Abba Antony said to him, 
You've been coming here for so long, and you've never asked me anything. In reply, he said, It is enough for me just to see you, Father. One of the fathers used to say, once when we were sitting and discussing love, Abba Joseph said, Do we know what love is? And he told this about Abba Agathon. He possessed a small knife. A brother came to him and said, Oh, you have a fine little knife. Abba Agathon would not let him go unless he took it. Once when Abba John was going up from Sita with other brothers, the one who was showing them the way went astray. And it was night. The brothers said to Abba John, What will we do, Abba, for the guide has lost the way? Maybe we will wander off and die. The elder said to him, If we tell him, he will be grieved and ashamed. But look, I will pretend to be sick and will say, I cannot travel farther, so I am staying here until dawn. And so he did. And the rest of them said, Neither are we going on, we are staying with you. They stayed there until dawn, and did not put the brother to shame. My brothers and sisters, since this is a podcast, you can pause a bit between the stories. Some of them do take a bit of reflection. This next little story has a familiar theme. It's about Adma Pullman. He said there's no greater love than this, that someone lays down his life for his neighbor. For if someone hears a distressing word and is capable of uttering something like it himself, but struggles to bear the pain and say nothing, or when someone is being browbeaten in a situation and bears the violence with the result that he does not pay back the one who caused him distress, such a person is laying down his soul for his neighbor. Abba Pambo was once traveling to parts of Egypt with some brothers. When he saw some worldlings sitting there, he said to them, Get up and embrace the brothers, so you may be blessed, for they are continually speaking with God, and their mouths are holy. They used to say of Abba Pafnotius that he rarely drank wine. Once, when he was traveling, he came upon a band of robbers, and he found them drinking. Now the robber chief recognized him and was aware that he did not drink wine. But seeing him so exhausted, he filled the cup with wine and taking his sword in hand said to the elder, I will kill you if you do not drink it. Now the elder knew that his own will was to fulfill the commandment of God and wanting to win the robber chief over, he took it and drank it. But the robber chief apologized to him saying, Oh, forgive me, Abba, I have distressed you. And the elder said, I have faith in God that on account of this cup, he will have mercy on you in this world and in the next, said the robber chief to him. I have faith in God that from now on I will do no harm to anybody. And the elder won over the whole band by abandoning his will for the Lord's sake. In that story is something that caused me to pause and reflect. 
next story is about demonic possession. An ascetic saw somebody who was unable to fast because he was possessed by a demon. Moved by the love of God and seeking not his own advantage, but the others, he prayed that the demon should pass into his own self and that the other man be set free. God having granted this supplication, now it was the ascetic rather than the other whom the demon grievously afflicted. But the man prolonged his fasts and so seriously applied himself to prayer and spiritual discipline that within a few days God finally expelled the demon from him in consequence of his charity. An elder said, Let us acquire love, the summation of good things. Fasting is nothing, watching is nothing, and so is any other discipline if love is absent. For it is written, God is love. The fathers used to say, The devil can imitate everything. As for fasting, he never ate. As for watching, he never slept. But humble-mindedness and love, the devil cannot imitate. So let there be a great effort on our part to have love within us and to hate pride. Pride through which the devil fell out of heaven. There may be words in these stories that you're not quite familiar with. Please forgive me if I forget to define them ahead of time. You hear the word Abba, which is another word for father, but it's best translated as Dada, or Daddy, the desert daddies. And the desert mothers become Mamas, or Ama. You'll hear Ama in this next story. One day, Abba Sapriyam was passing through a village in Egypt when he saw a whore standing before her cell. He said to her, Expect me this evening. I want to come and pass tonight with you. Very well, Abba, she said in reply. She got herself ready, prepared the bed, and waited for the elder with what was needed. When it was evening, the elder came into her cell empty-handed and said, Did you get the bed ready? Yes, Abba, she said, and they closed the door with themselves alone inside. Then the elder said to her, We have a rule, wait a little until I first fulfill it. And the elder began reciting the synaxis. Beginning with the psalter, he offered a prayer after each psalm, beseeching God on her behalf that she might repent and be saved. So God heard him. For the woman was standing near to the elder, trembling and praying. The woman fell to the ground when he finished the psalms. The elder began the writings of the apostle and recited a large extract, and so completed the synaxis. The woman was pricked in her conscience. She realized that it was not to sin that he came to her, but to save her. She fell down before him, saying, Of your charity take me wherever I may be well-pleasing to God. Then the elder took her to a monastery for virgins and handed her over to the Amma, saying, Receive this sister, but do not impose a yoke or a commandment on her as you do on the other sisters. Rather, give her whatever she wants, 
and let her go where she wishes. When she had been there a few days, she said, I am a sinner. I want to eat once a day. Then after a few days, she also begged the Amma of the monastery. Since I gravely saddened God with my sins of your charity, put me in a cell, seal it up, and give me a little food and some work to do through a hole. The Amma acceded her request and did so for her, and in this way she was well-pleasing to God for the remaining time of her life. For our final story from the Desert Fathers on the subject of love, we have this one. And in it you'll hear the word aurorai, a reference to 60 aurorai. Well, an aurora equals a half acre. So 60 aurorai are about 30 acres. So here's the Desert Fathers story. Three brothers once went away to work on the harvest. They took responsibility for 60 aurorae. One of them fell ill on the first day and went back to his cell. One of the remaining two said to the other one, Look, our brother fell sick, as you know. Do you make a little effort with your logismos? And I will do likewise. Let us trust in God that by his prayers we will harvest his peace. When the work was done, and they came to receive the remuneration, they called the brother, saying, Come and get your remuneration, brother. But he said, What remuneration do I have when I have not harvested? Thanks to your prayers, we got to harvest in, they said. But the brother was reluctant, so they went to an elder to make a judgment. The brother said to him, We three went harvesting. When I went into the field on the first day, I fell ill and returned to my cell. Not one day did I harvest. Yet the brothers are coercing me, saying, Come, get the remuneration for which you have not labored. The brothers said, We three went to harvest and took responsibility for sixty aurorae. Even if there had been three of us, it would have been with considerable effort that we would have completed the work. Yet, thanks to the prayers of the brother, we too quickly cleaned up the field. We're telling him to come and get his remuneration, but he does not want to take it. Give the signal for all the brethren to come together, he instructed his disciple. When they arrived, he said, Come, brothers, listen today to a just judgment. The elder announced the whole matter to them, then sentenced the brother to receive his remuneration, and to do with it whatever he liked. The brother went away weeping and grieving. These stories have been about love, agape. Let's take a little more time for reflection on a few stories about humility, starting with this one. A brother living on the Mount of Olives came down into the holy city one day, went to the governor, and confessed his sins to him, saying, Punish me in accordance with the law. Amazed by this, the governor made a decision in his mind. Really, my man, he said to the brother, now that you have confessed of your own free will, I dare not judge you before God, for perhaps God has forgiven you. The brother went away, put his feet and his neck in irons, and confined himself in a cell. 
If anybody asked him, who imposed such constraint in irons on you, Abba? He would say it was the governor. But the day before his death, the irons opened of their own accord and fell off of him. I was amazed when I saw this, and I said to him, Who loosed the arms from you? He said to me, He who loosed my sins. For he appeared to me yesterday, saying, Look, I have deleted all your sins on account of your patient endurance. He touched the irons with his fingers, and they immediately fell away from me. Having said this, the brother forthwith migrated to the Lord. There was a brother living the monastic life quite negligently. When he was about to die, some of the fathers were sitting with him, perceiving that he was departing for the body in joy and gladness, and wanting to edify the brothers. The elder said to him, Brother, believe me, we all know that you've not been very zealous in your ascetic practice. How then are you going forth so eagerly? Said the brother, Believe me, Father, what you said is true. Yet from when I became a monk, I do not know that I ever passed judgment on anybody who slipped up or held a grudge against anybody, for I immediately reconciled myself with him that same day. And I want to say to God, Lord and Master, you said, Judge not that you not be judged, and forgive it, and it shall be forgiven you. Everybody was edified. And the elder said to him, Peace be with you, my son, for you have been saved without toil. And Abba said to his disciple, Woe to us, my son, for we do not fear God, not even so much as we fear a dog. His disciple said to him, Do not talk like that, father, you are blaspheming. The elder said to him, Whether I am blaspheming or not, one thing I know. I often used to go off by night to a place for sinning. As I approached, I heard the barking of dogs at the place. I immediately turned back for fear of them. Fear of beasts was strong enough to do what fear of God did not. He went on to say that if we love God the way we love folk, we're fortunate. For I see so many who, after mourning their friends, do not desist by night or day making intercessions or sending gifts until they made them reconciled. Whereas for the God who is distressed with us, we have no thought of beseeching him to be reconciled with us. A diligent brother came from afar and lived on his own in a small cell on Mount Sinai. The first day when he came to stay there, he found a small piece of wood that had been inscribed thus by the brother who had lived there before him. I, Moses, son of Theodore, am here and bearing witness. The brother set the piece of wood before his eyes every day and asked the one who wrote it as though he were present. Where are you now, man, that you say, I am present and bearing witness? What kind of world are you in at this time? And where is the hand that wrote this? Spending the whole day in activity and mindful of the grave, he went on grieving. His manual activity was that of a scribe. He received papers and orders for copies from many brothers, but he died without writing anything for anybody. He wrote on the paper of each brother, 
Brother, forgive me, sir, for I had a little business to do with somebody, and for that reason I did not have time to write. We call these people anchorites, withdrawers, anchorites. They were the first Catholic monks, and their luminaries were the Desert Fathers, so-called. It was in what is now called Egypt that this first great withdrawal occurred. It was mainly desert, but there was the Fertile Valley. So the earliest Catholic monks were simple Coptic-speaking peasants from the smaller towns and villages of the Nile Valley. The historian Athanasius has written this account of Antony. He said that when Antony was still a very young man, and before he was Abba Antony, he was reflecting on how the apostles abandoned everything and followed the Savior, how others sold their goods and brought the prices of the things that were sold and lay them down at the apostles' feet to be given to those in need, and what a great hope awaited them in heaven. While thinking about these things, he went into church just when the gospel was being read, and he heard the Lord saying to the rich man, If you wish to be perfect, go and sell all your belongings and give the proceeds to the poor. Then come and follow me, and you will have treasures in heaven. In response to this gospel, Abba Anthony promptly embarked on a long and highly influential monastic career. Largely on account of Athanasius's chronicle of that career, Antony is traditionally hailed as the first monk and the founder of the monastic tradition. It may be so. And these accounts are offered for your Lent, for your Lenten reflection. And may they be useful for your conversations with the Lord and for your silences with the Lord. It is said that we can know God in two ways. First is to reason, to thinking. But we cannot think enough to think of the Lord. And we become enmeshed in the cloud of unknowing. But it's not a bad place to be, because it's as near as you can get to knowing God with the brain. But then there is love, agape. And with love, we can go and adore in Eucharistic adoration and sit silent with the Lord. And we can feel his love in the sense that we could feel his love and he could feel ours. It's the most complete way we can know God on this earth. There before the Eucharist, we can bask in the flood of his love that pours forth, submerging us there. And to contemplate that host, until it becomes a lens, a translucent lens, through which we can see past the universe and into the heart of God. Join me again, I'm Chuck Hoffman, offering these little humble fragments, these morsels, produced within the glory of the Catholic Church, a small flourishing beauty in the fertile soil of the Catholic Church, our beloved Catholic Church. 
Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com. CMF Curo is the country's first Catholic healthcare ministry to provide an affordable health sharing solution rooted in Catholic teaching and community. Learn more at MyCatholicHealthcare.com slash podcast. That's MyCatholicHealthcare.com slash podcast.